Welcome to the first episode of the Hashish Inn. I am your host, Shiragam Amir. I'm super excited to have uh, one of my favorite hash makers on the show, Camden from Pua Extractions, based in Portland, Oregon. You can follow him on Instagram, at Pua Extractions. Welcome, Cam. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate oh, yeah. it. <laughs> Sick. So first off, I just want to congratulate you and Nelson and company for winning the best THC hashish at the Dope Cup this year. Hell yeah, thanks. That's sick. Uh, was that your first, I guess, cup experience or? Yeah, first cup to enter. All the other cups, like Emerald Cups, just sold hash on foot. Okay, cool. Yeah. So that's pretty good. You're like yeah. one out of one. Yeah, I was actually pretty stoked. Yeah, I nice. wasn't sure about entering cup and what would happen or anything, but we were like, oh, try it since we're in the position to try it, I guess. And like, it. yeah, I was pretty stoked about it. I was like, oh, shit, that's nice. <laughs> so cool. So like you, you basically worked with Nelson and company and almost as a team effort, you guys entered the yeah. cup with this particular Cherry Kush, I guess it was. Yeah, the Cherry Kush. Yeah, because we I've been making hash for him for a while now. And he's a grower now make hash for it. That's the only grower I make hash for that's available for the recreational market. Okay. And he was like, oh, you know, we should enter the dope cut because I have some extra cherry kush that we can enter it in. And it was, I think, only three grams or something to enter. Okay. It's not like Emerald Cup or like all the other cups where they ask a lot, you know? And he's a pretty small company, so like... It was, yeah, it was affordable, and we did, and, like, uh, we were like, oh, shit, like, because we thought, like, some hype-ass shit would fucking win it, you know? <laughs> like, we thought, like, oh, there's probably going to be somebody with, like, a tangy cross or, like, a cookie cross or something that's, like, going to be the shit, you know? And we are really stoked because it's Cherry Kush that won because we both really enjoy that cut. It's a really good old-school cherry kush and it's almost like a pre girl scout cookies profile it's like almost the same profile but it's like an actual kush profile it's really nice yeah and i really like that about that that cut made like people like stoked on it on that hash because it's one of my favorite fucking cuts to like make hash off it's sick that's awesome yeah Yeah, i actually got to try a little bit earlier today that i got and I mean, it, I think I tried it in the past, and like you said, it it is super cushy. Yeah. Um, but it does have that kind of cherry fruit, you yeah. know, overtone over it, and so I really enjoyed it. So I could definitely see how you know it it stood out amongst what I'm sure was pretty good competition. You know. So. Yeah. 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 We're stoked that it won. Like. It's like kind of props to Cherry Kush, like, <laughs> or whoever, whoever found that cut a long time ago. Yeah, props to that man. That cut's cool. It's a pretty cool cut. I really like the flower of it. Even like, I like that strain a lot. And how is uh, I guess like working that plant as a hash maker? Oh man, it's kind of funny because it's not like the best yielder. It's pretty average, but the hash that it yields is fucking great it takes the best out of that plant and it can play a little bit but not too much like i conceive it pretty well okay especially in a cold room like a good environment like i'm able to do now but i used to not be able to do back in the day 
I can sieve it as many times as I want to to get it down to the grain size that I like. And that makes it really great because a lot of strains don't let me do that. And like it, it's, it takes a little bit more effort and like it's, I don't like to have to put the pressure underneath hash or anything like that. So yeah. it's nicer when you find one that breaks just nice on the sieve. Nice. Yeah. And so that, I guess, is allowing you to air dry it at that point? Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good air dry strain for sure. Or it's a strain cut. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, so, you know, I, I know you've been working with Nelson and Company, but I obviously primarily know you for your own thing, which is Pua Extraction. Mm-hmm. And I always found the name Pua to be unique. And I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the backstory. Oh, cool. <laughs> Yeah, so Pua is the word that is the word for flower in Hawaiian. And so I grew up in Hawaii, and I know, like, when I first got, like, Instagram and shit, and, like, I was like, oh, we people really like Hawaiian, like, style things along with cannabis, you know? And I was like, oh, man, so what I'll do is I'll just, like, it's like, you know, flower extractions because I make fucking, like, fucking whole plant flower extractions and, like, do the Hawaiian word for flower. And, like, oh, that's cool because it kind of connects with me, but also I feel like it's, like, an attractive thing with cannabis. Like, I feel like tropical stuff goes along with cannabis. Right? Nice. And that's the only reason why I did it. Yeah, because I was very new to Instagram or like social media in general. Okay. My girlfriend at the time just made me get a smartphone and I was like looking at pictures of hash and shit and I was like, oh, it'd be cool if I named it Pool Extractions because it's the Hawaiian word for flower. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But I and, like it. Yeah. So I guess, were you in Hawaii when you first started making hash? No, I was not actually. So I didn't get to make hash until... I was about 18, and I moved to Portland. Okay. And after just looking on that hash shit on the internet just nonstop for a long time. Yeah. When I finally moved to Portland, and, like, I actually got to meet, like, people growing a bunch of weed who had trim that I could trim for. And then I could be like, you can pay me in trim, and I get to finally (laughs) try making bubble hash. Nice. like... I would do it in my backyard on a summer day and shit, like with a drill and a fucking paint mixer and like totally wrong way. And like, but I loved it anyways, because you get a little bit of something. And back then I didn't know to sieve it, to do whatever. What I just thought to do was like, you let it dry on a drying screen, you cut it up a little bit and let it dry for like a while in your room. Right. <laughs> Like an hour or two? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you can smoke it and shit. And I wasn't dabbing it or anything. I was just like putting it in a pipe and smoking it with the screen, you know? And like, I thought it was fucking cool as hell that I finally got to make hash. Yeah. And like, see what that gooey fucking like black stuff that I would see on like High Times reviews of like the like hash lock cut in half and stuff and see what it actually looks like. I was like, dude, this is fucking cool. Like, that shit's tight. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of funny because, you know, nowadays there's just, like, so much information out there. If you go on the Internet, you can pretty much figure out how to do any kind of technique with the bubble hash or, yeah. you know, the water hash at this point. And I guess when you were first doing it, 
it was still a little bit more of like a low-key thing. And so you had to maybe go through more like trial and error to learn or <laughs> yeah. tell us more about that. <laughs> yeah, that was, it's, it was actually pretty funny because <laughs> at first I was using like, I remember this kid in downtown Portland that used to like find bubble hash I would buy off of him. Okay. And he'd tell me that his hippie buddy would make a batch of bubble hash with nothing metal but only a wooden spoon because it makes the hash better and shit. And I was like, I believe the fucking dude. And for the first like couple batches, I like whipped it with a spoon and I was like, this sucks. And and eventually I, I realized that after I went on the internet a little bit and I think it was maybe Subcool's video or like somebody's and then I found another like little blog thing that somebody used a fucking paint mixer and I was like oh, I'm going to use a fucking paint mixer <laughs> that's what you were using in the backyard <laughs> yeah and one time I blended it for like 40 minutes me and my friends took turns we were like blending for 40 minutes <laughs> it was some chem actually a long time ago it was like 2010 maybe and we were like planning it for 40 minutes and fucking so the material got pretty beat up oh it got so beat up dude it was so bad but like we loved it we thought it was the coolest shit ever but eventually like I started to make more and more hash from that guy that actually grew that chem which I think is a chem 91 and he used to grow some Casey Jones Cinex and something else but I used to make hash from because I would trim from too, and then I'll make hash with the trim that he would pay me with. And I eventually started doing it in my bathroom that I lived with like five other people in a <laughs> punk house. And uh, and it eventually your lab. it became my little lab where I just like make my personal bubble hash that I really liked, you know. And and then eventually it was got too sticky. All sorts of shit happened. I started realizing that. People used to tell me that the 25 micron was the best, the highest potency, the best shit. And then I was like, oh, wow, the 73 bag has like a lot of it. And I actually really <laughs> like it a lot because it like looks good and shit, you know. And, and eventually I found out that. And then like eventually I found out that like, oh, you don't have to beat up the material very much to get anything out of it. You know, it took me a long time to realize that actually a really, really long time. And then, like, yeah, I started realizing you don't have to beat it up that much whatsoever. You can still use a paint mixer and make it even easier, but you just don't have to do it for very long or that hard. Right. You just have to kind of move it around and fucking give it room. Yeah, eventually after that, I realized that you can fucking filter water. So I started using filtered water. <laughs> but after that, I, my girlfriend made me get a smartphone, and I looked at Instagram and... All these people were fucking saving their stuff, and I was never seen that. And I was like, oh, shit. So you just put it through a sieve, and I used to sieve it when it was really wet. <laughs> and it looked, looked fucking stupid. It looked so globby and dumb and ununiform, and like, but I loved it. That was cool. And eventually after that, I realized how cold you need it to be to make hash. And it just kept on going and going and going and like over like hundreds of batches and like figuring out strains eventually, eventually came, you know, like being like, oh, wow, 
Like, there's so many strains that are not good for hash. There's so many strains that are good for hash. And in fact, there's a lot of strains, like, that you really need to search for a certain pheno to find a hash plant in that strain. And almost any strain can have hash, but you need to phenotype it properly. And some you don't need to phenotype very much at all. Okay. So when you hear people say, you know, this particular plant doesn't wash well, what yeah. does that, I guess, mean technically? Well, it could mean, I mean, a lot of times nowadays that people like already know how to go about things and like infos out there is that it probably doesn't hash well. <laughs> I mean, are they saying if it doesn't hash well because the hash is really like doesn't yield, has a lot of contaminant, the material breaks apart, or does it just not yield and has like pretty decent hash, or does it not yield and the hash is not melty? There's a lot of different varieties, but typically, yeah, it's the genetic and what you did with it. And like, you know, it's not all genetics are made for hash and like but they're made for other things for sure right yeah there's a good thing about all the plants but it depends on what's the good thing yeah Yeah. and so we were talking a little earlier and you mentioned that you had been working on a few of your own crosses i guess from your last cycle yeah can you tell us a little bit about that and then in a way how the future potential hashing of these plants comes into play when, you know, picking the, the particular phenotypes that you keep working and uh. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, so the reason why I started breeding or, like, pollen tossing, I guess, is because I love the sour amnesia cut so much because it's the most fascinating resin I've ever worked with. It's so stable. It's so extremely stable. It's not dull in the profile, which a lot of these really stable strains are extremely dull. And like this one's not dull at all. It's actually really interesting. And I really like that about that strain. And what I wanted to do, because like a lot of people having like root aphids, russet mites and all sorts of problems. And like, is I wanted to make secure a way for me to find another female plant that was very similar to the same clone that I like hashing and has the same profile, has same trichome texture. Like that's what I wanted to do. So I started to do that. And then now I'm thinking that like, oh, it'd be really cool to make sure I have my pile of seeds that I can always find that female. And then also with the leftover pollen, like why not try to like cross it over to other cuts? So I really want to do that next year to see what the influence does if it doesn't doll it out but introduces really good trichome texture is what I mainly want to select for. And I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot of trial and error about that for years. (laughs) But I really want to learn how to transfer that trichome texture and keep good terpene profile. And like... It's really satisfying to wash shit like that. I don't know. It's really awesome. Like, yeah, it's a lot more planning, but way less work on the actual hashing and especially sieving. Sieving stuff like that is like amazing. It's wonderful. You really don't have to put that much work into it. It breaks apart itself. Right. And that's the best kind of hash because it just breaks apart and you don't have to do shit to it. It breaks apart, but 
at the same time, it stays stable. And, yeah. you know, the heads stay together. Yeah, it's fucking... So, yeah, yeah that amnesia is uh, definitely something special. Yeah. And, I really uh, like that one. Yeah. You were telling me a little earlier that the original amnesia haze is, I guess, a phenotype of uh, super silver haze? Is super that silver saying? haze, yeah. So... Supposedly, I'm pretty sure that Amnesia Haze is just a phenotype that was really popular in Amsterdam of Super Silver Haze. And I forgot who bred with Amnesia, because the original Super Silver Haze came from Navels, I think? But yeah, Horror Lab got that Amnesia Haze cut, and then they bred it to what their male of a New York Sour Diesel. Okay. Which, like, I don't really understand where that male comes from, but yeah. So that's what they use, and they actually use that male in a couple different crosses too. They have a line of that, and I've actually gotten to hash a couple of the different crosses of that. There was a cross of a super skunk, and there's also a cross to something else that I got to try. It was a long time ago, though. And who is this by again? The breeder? Yeah. Oh, Horror Lab. Okay. Horror Lab. They're old, yeah, they're old school Amsterdam. It's fucking... I like their stuff. They're pretty cool. Last time I grew their stuff, it was like a nice kush, which is like... Fuck, okay, I forgot what that was. I can't remember, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this Amnesia Haze, as far as you know, has nothing to do with, I guess, Soma's version that I think he put out in Amsterdam as well. Soma's version of Amnesia Haze. I believe that is different. Does Soma do like an NL? I think there's a... I, if I'm, I might be mistaken, but I think it's a, a New York City Diesel. Oh, he also did a New York City Diesel too. With like a tie and crossed with a Mexican and possibly even crossed with an Afghani. Oh, shit. And so I was just curious if those two had any ties because I actually, you know, had a chance to go to Amsterdam and I think it was 2003 or 2004. Yeah. And I was there for eight days with a friend and then a couple of his friends that were pretty cool. And we basically were just out every day, like going from coffee shop to coffee shop to coffee shop. <laughs> and we were out there, you know, long oh, days. Yeah. And so by, you know, the fifth day, we had amassed quite a collection in our backpack of, of stuff from all these coffee shops. And at that point, we just kind of like wanted to get the best of the best. Mm -hmm. And so we randomly went to this one shop and we basically asked them what the most like exotic thing they had. So they had this funny uh, flip book and the flip book had these like weird little baggies that were stapled to these pages. So you could see like a picture or not a picture, but you could actually see, like, the butts. Yeah. And they sold them in these really, like, funny quantities, like 2.2, 2.3 grams. <laughs> uh, I know for for Americans, I think that was a little strange. But <laughs> yeah, they had this one strain, which was basically, like, their most expensive one. I remember, I think it was, like, 22 euros at the time for, like, 2.2 grams of it. And it was called amnesia. Yeah. And it wasn't... Haze, and at the time I don't think I could appreciate it, but 
the guy who was like the bud tender there was super excited about it and was mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, this guy grew this and like he, I think, flowered it like 16 weeks. Oh, yeah. So that that's an amnesia haze cut. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a fucking haze as hell. So it was crazy because, you know, it may be like the nostalgia wrapped up in that trip or or whatnot, but like still to me that was I think some of the best bud that I've ever had, you know, and so like it was this really dark colored. Yeah. But it wasn't like black or purple. It's kinda hard to explain. Okay. And you know, when you smoked it and you exhaled it, it like was straight like flowers. It was like a bouquet. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and Hell so yeah. funny so, enough, one of the reasons that I that I found Pua online is because you you were making this amnesia haze. Yeah, and, you know, it's not a very uh, common strain that you see people like working with, especially making water hash from. Yeah, you know, so I found that interesting, and then once I got a chance to try it a few years ago at the Emerald Cup, it reminded me of that kind of amnesia from Amsterdam, you know, a little bit. It has like that floral quality to it, but almost like a sweetness to it as well, mm-hmm. you know? And I remember the one in Amsterdam was like, gave you this really energetic oh, like, yeah. feeling, you oh, know? Yeah. But it was like super clear. Yeah. And so anyways, yeah. So anytime I, I think of Pua, I pretty much think amnesia haze and i know you work with some other strains as well but yeah you know oh, that's, that's would you say that's kind of like your staple strain or, or the one that people know you the most for yes our amnesia is definitely the one that like i definitely really uh identify with that's for sure it's one that that is my favorite it's one of the ones that i've been running for a long time too and i never get sick of it really I think it's a really unique profile. For a long time, it was called Amnesia Haze here in Portland. And the actual like genetic identification of that cut was hidden for like a long time from these people. And there's a lot of phenos of actually sour amnesia in Portland called different things because of them. And uh, it's actually sour amnesia. And lately, in the past like year or so, I have been going away from what they identified their females as and calling it sour amnesia because I think it's just weird too. And like there is a strain here in Portland called Mount Hood Magic, Sour Joker, Sour Grapefruit, and Mount Hood Magic Durban. And they're all sour amnesia females. And I think sour I think amnesia in that cross has like a really cool character in that cross because you get like really cat pissy phenos you get like the floral pheno and the floral pheno is fucking awesome and i really like that too and it's a really energetic eye it's really clear it can give anxiety to some right but i love that one a lot it's cool that one's sick as hell yeah yeah that one's really good and then there's some mixed ones, which the Sour Amnesia Fino I run is a very much of a mix. 
and for some reason its sweet spot is like in between nine and ten weeks and so it's not like it's not like it grows like haze or like a diesel like diesel can go easily longer than ten weeks you know and like and same thing with haze but it's a weird mix this one pheno is one that I particularly very much like though right is that one yeah it's really nice it goes nine or ten weeks and hashes very well and has this profile that I'm fascinated with for sure and do you think that's something I guess you'll keep around as long as you can or yes yes absolutely yeah and C form or yeah I'm just every year I'm going to try to get to closer and closer to having like a seed form of it for myself you know just so I can have it because I just like it a lot it's fucking cool <laughs> yeah I mean if yeah. you have something you like it's nice to be able to just yeah. access it you know hey, you yeah need. so yeah dude absolutely I think we said that earlier yeah, yeah. about something else <laughs> so you know you eventually learn how to get better obviously at making hash mm -hmm. and not beating it up 45 minutes yes and so at what point were you like alright well you know I'm gonna I'm gonna make this I don't know what you want to call it, I guess your company um, Pua. Oh, yeah. And, like, I'm going to actually put hash out for people. Right. You know, in the medical market. Yeah. At what point did that happen? Yeah. Oh, so this is actually pretty funny. It's like, yeah, I just got that smartphone because my girlfriend's like, we're going to Hawaii and I can't pronounce any of the fucking streets there. <laughs> and you're going to get a smartphone and we're both going to have GPS and shit. And like, I was like, all right, cool. And I was running weed in this warehouse with this younger kid. And he's like, dude, have you ever checked out Instagram and like the shit people do with hash on Instagram? I'm like, no, I don't fucking know what that is, dude. You know? And he's like, you should really check it out. And he sh showed me a picture of this, like, I forgot who it was. It was some person making fucking like two different colored hash snakes and <laughs> yeah, shit like that. What you're talking about. The yeah. braids. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, whoa, shit, dude, yo, that looks fucking cool. And then eventually I was like looking at people's bubble hash that like was all sieved and stuff. And that's when I was like, whoa, I need to start sieving and like figuring out what the fuck this is. And I started doing that more and more. And eventually I started understanding like, you know, filter water have it colder, like, you need all this, like, and make sure it's clean as fuck, and so different from the prior, like, five years or so before this, and, like, I was just like, cool, all right, I'm gonna start doing this, and then also, like, I ended up giving Instagram, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, it's gonna be called Blue Extractions, and I was getting all this sour diesel trim from this other grower I grew in this warehouse with, Okay, and his sour diesel cut I so do not understand which sour diesel cut it is. It could be a uh, pheno from one of the reservoir packs that were released a while back. Not sure which one it is, but it was very good for hash. It was fucking awesome for hash. And we set up a little lab in the warehouse for me. And I started making that for all of us and posting it on Instagram, hoping that like people say like nice things about it or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And like some likes yeah <laughs> I was like cool yeah and yeah and then this dispensary five star trees got a hold of me and they're like hey 
do you have any for sale? And at the time, I, I did have some for sale, but only for, like, my friends and shit, and I didn't think about it. And I was like, yeah, I'll make more, because my buddy grew a lot of sour diesel, so I made a bunch, brought it to them. They're like, this is fucking great. We really want to carry, like, solventless hash oil, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, whoa, shit. So I started making more because the grower was excited. He was getting rid of all of his trim and shit, too. Yeah. Yeah. And it worked so, out for him as well. Yeah, I started working out, and I started selling a bunch of Romulan and sour diesel hash to Pfizer trees in a place called Rose City Wellness, I think. I think that's what it was called, Rose City Wellness. This guy, Aaron, owned it. He, he so has a spot called Rose City Wellness in town, I think. Cool. Yeah, so it's only that, and that's that's when it happened, and and then right when that happened, I still sieved like shit back then. Honestly, my sieving was fucking terrible, but it was so new at the time for Portland, Oregon, and like having sieved hash that like would dab and shit, like that like people were very excited about it, and then eventually I started like getting more into Instagram and being like wow, there's so many people that make crazy hash in the world. Like, holy shit. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, yeah. Just like all the stuff that's going on out there and all the stuff people try. And I mean, you know, uh, I don't know that it's all necessary, but I I think it's a kind of fun time in a, weird, in a weird way. Like we're, with everything changing the last, you know, five to 10 years, people are able to like experiment a lot more with stuff that, Absolutely. They just wouldn't be able to otherwise. Yeah, dude. You know, it's become like almost pretty mainstream now. And so yeah. it's funny to hear you say that, you know, you're also like checking it out as well as like other people checking you out and like everybody's <laughs> kind of like learning right. from each other, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's funny. Yeah, man. And like, and Rosin isn't. Like, I mean, some people figured out rosin a long time ago with, like, scraping hash on a fucking metal bowl and, like, collecting the shit that's on the side of the bowl, right? But it wasn't wasn't that long ago that, yeah, that kid was on hash search all like, yeah, I put a fucking hair straightener to this <laughs> shit and this shit squirts out oil. And it's like, what the fuck? Like... Yeah, that's crazy. Like, it was crazy, dude. I don't know. It's nuts. And then more people are doing crazier shit with rosin now. I don't even understand, like, all the crazy shit people do to rosin. But, like, it's crazy. You're right. You know, it's funny. It's like, it hasn't been that long since that kind of became a trend, you know, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Like you said, it started with hair straighteners, and now there's huge presses that make this, like you know ghost rosin that you yep. can't even see but yeah i don't know i i personally i guess typically would prefer just like the water hash me too man i really like water hash i've also have been turning a new page lately because me and the guy who like is one of the two people of nelson and company He's been changing my mind about rosin more and more as we, like, see the differences of stuff, like... Because I've always been pretty close-minded about rosin, unless it was just, like, work, you know? But, because I'm always like, why the fuck are people rosining water hash? That's good. Like, why? 
why are you doing that? Because the water hash has everything that's fucking good. Like, why are you changing that? <laughs> but recently, he's like, no, really, like, you should try the stuff that I made at home that's like, is from good water hash. And I rosined it. And it's really fucking good. And I'm like, oh shit, you're right, dude. This is really good, man. Like, this is really fucking good. And he's like, but only with some strains. Because some strains are better in water hash. And some strains are better in rosin. And I was like, that fucking makes sense. Like, that makes so much goddamn sense, you know? He's like, yeah. Yeah, like, a lot of the gassy stuff that's, like, chem and all that, like, it's good in rosin, but, like, really good in water hash, you know? Especially if it's well done. And I was like, damn. True. It's interesting, yeah. And um, some sweet stuff, too. Some sweet stuff are very good in rosin form, but yeah, it's I weird. Mean, I think everything has its place, you know? Everything you know, has like, its place. And I think nothing is necessarily, like, better than the other. Um, you know, the, the hash for me is just almost like a personal preference, I guess. But, Absolutely. yeah, I think there's some really incredible rosin out there. I've been hanging out this week with Brandon Kirk. Fuck yeah. He's at Kush Kirk on Instagram. And, you know, he's been making some rosin. That's right. And it... Is incredible. I bet I mean, it's insane. You know, he's. I think he's doing different things with different strains, but I know he pressed out 120 of a strain I think called Rollins. Yeah. Um, which I was telling you earlier, it's a, a, a Nigerian haze. I think crossed with the, the lemon, lemon tree. Yeah, yeah. From I think it's from the Swamp Seed Boys. Or, oh, okay. And yeah. It, I mean, it was awesome. You oh, know? Wait, is Rollins a GMO TK skunk male cross to lemon tree? I don't know. I it's think it's, I'm pretty sure it? it's the Nigerian James okay, is like the is. main. And okay. I think it's even like a back cross version of that. I'm not sure. Cool. But yeah, it was, I mean, it it was amazing. So, yeah. I mean, I think definitely there's some really, really good rosin out there that can be made from really good water. Absolutely. Hash. You know? Absolutely, and so it's it's interesting to to hear you say that your friend is saying that you know based on the genetics, it yeah. kind of determines what best form it kind of ends up in. So absolutely, yep, yeah, the Rasa thing is wild. He's definitely changed my mind about it. <laughs> I think I was just like also I was being like uh, the past couple of years I was being pretty close minded about the Rasa thing and just being like. But water hash is fucking awesome. <laughs> no, it is. <laughs> you know? I mean, and I was like, and, and that was wrong on me for sure. <laughs> like, but lately I was like, damn, this Scott's OG is really good because it has a really good lemon when you rosin it. Like, the lemon comes out so fucking well with yeah. the Scott's OG. Well, I mean, it's like you're squeezing it all out and like, yeah. you know, it, the smell is coming up right up to the top and, so, yeah, I, I definitely yeah. think it probably works really well with some of them. Yeah, absolutely. So, what year was that that you started, I guess, putting it out at Five Zero Trees? Five Zero Trees? Oh, man, I don't remember. It was uh, maybe 2012 or 11? Okay. 2012 or 11. Yeah, so it's been a bit. It's been a bit, yeah. So, how would you say, I guess, things have changed not only for, you know, Pua, but, like, the general state of, like, the Oregon market. Oh, okay, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. From, like, 2011 to... <laughs> Sick, hell yeah. To That's 2018. a good question. 
Yeah, back then it was like not many people were making water hash, not many people were really aware of water hash that you could dab. And Oregon definitely isn't like with California on the like amount of payment that they'll put towards like quality shit. Right. Well, you mean I basically like the best way what to people say it. will pay for uh, like hash makers work? Or yeah, especially water hash. Like water hash, never has gotten to in Oregon. It's never gotten to any area that California has gotten to. You know, like have a shop selling like a gram of water hash for eighty dollars is like not a chill thing in Oregon at all, whatsoever. Interesting. Like, in, in, in in California, that's. Yeah, it's a bargain. Typical as fuck. I mean, yeah. at, at 80 bucks, I think, at this point. That's a bargain now? It's a bargain. I mean, you know. Yeah. You, damn, damn. The last I wild. saw, for example, I mean, and this is kind of obviously on the high end, but I know Matt Rise did like a collaboration yeah. with Harvest Moon, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's been working with Harvest Moon, yeah. And yeah, I mean, I don't remember where it was at, but yeah, like a, a gram of the GMO was like 180 bucks. I mean, obviously, <laughs> you got to include taxes and, and whatever in that, but, you know, oh, it's, a, it's a pretty stark difference to, to, to 80 bucks being uh, that high That is end. so insane. Yo, I... <laughs> oh, man. And I mean, you know, to each his own, because... 180 bucks. People Fuck. will pay it, and I mean, I'd love to try it. Yeah, I, that's chill. That's... A little too steep for me. Yeah. I really like Matt a lot. Yeah, yeah. And it's nothing against him. I like him a lot. And like, but dude, California is so like different. It's fucking crazy. And that's why I really like to go into the Emerald Cup with like a cooler of hash and be like, oh, I got this hash. (laughs) Like, and I was finally like getting fucking $60 for a gram of my hash. Like, direct to me which was like you know at the dispensary in the beginning was like $15 a gram for like full milk. yeah I mean that's it was different <laughs> it was like this is sick this is fucking insanely sick like holy shit and people were like damn 60 bucks that's a bargain I was like well cool. I, I'll tell you from my point of view it's funny because that's the year that I met you that's right was when you came down there for the first time and I remember you know like I said I followed you on Instagram and it's funny because I remember you you posted you were like I'm gonna have this five zero trees like sweatshirt on and like if you happen to see me mm-hmm. and I was like man I gotta get this amnesia you know yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And cool. so you know I was hanging out and like I was always keeping an eye out and I think it was like the night of the first day or something I think you were only going one day so long story short you were standing by Cuban spot uh, at some point and then I was able to grab some stuff off you but my point of telling the story is you know by that point I had already grabbed like a bunch of stuff from other people throughout the day yeah and so when you were like it's 60 (laughs) I remember asking you I was like is I was, or almost like stating as a fact, like, oh, I was like, that's that's for like a half gram, right? And you're like, no, 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 it's the full gram. And I was like, okay, cool. And I was like, you know, I'll, I'll take three. Um, and that's all I had at the time. But yeah, it's, it, it's, it's just funny to think about that. 
um, on on the flip side, you know. Yeah, 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 <laughs> so. yeah. I was like all stoked. I was stoked as fuck. I don't know. Yeah, because yeah, it was chill for me. I was paying paying my bills enough to like I was like chill and also well the hash was the candy so it's like it's a treat anyways I always worked a restaurant job somewhere at all times anyways so like I had a job already and right you could just do your thing <laughs> I was just doing my thing so like so yeah just like I don't know that's chill and also like it's I don't know and I think it's cool to be honest I mean that like you know I really like I said earlier I'm a fan of your work but at the same time, I feel that you're super reasonable oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> with, your, with your rate. And so, like, I think that's even cooler because, I mean, you, you probably could be charging more, <laughs> you yeah. know, if you, if you wanted to. Um, <laughs> but you don't. And so that's that's not necessarily like a, a common thing amongst people who are making hash. So Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, I've noticed that a lot. People are pretty fucking wild. I don't know. I get too nervous about like <laughs> something like eighty bucks a gram. <laughs> I would get way too nervous about that. I don't know. I would get really nervous. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just be like, I don't know. It doesn't seem fucking chill right now. I don't know. <laughs> You're extorting people for more than eighty bucks a gram. That's I don't funny. know. It's like I don't know. It seems chiller to be like, oh. What it is, or I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. So, I guess I was asking you about this a little earlier. What's the difference between, you know, doing your own thing with Pua and then in these cases where you're doing collaborations? Oh, that's right. With other people, you know, yeah. does that kind of change? It does. Yeah. How you're doing your work, your decisions, and like. Yeah, absolutely, because at this, this, like, time now of where I'm at with, like, making hash is, like, so much depends on genetic selection. Like, that's where I'm at now is where it's, like, genetic selection is what's going to make hash efficient, like, to where somebody can, like, grow a whole room of a plant and fucking hash it all and give it away for a reasonable fucking price without like stressing you know without like sweating like crazy but that's really like, really hard to do because like i don't know even with like paying somebody to make hash after you grow a room and shit and then like selling it at a reasonable price is fucked up so like i don't know especially with what's going on in oregon i don't know like it's almost not worth it at all but like genetic selection it's huge for me right now. That's like the thing that drives my excitement about hash a lot. A fuckload. And the thing about working with other people and being dependent on their material to make hash does make it into a different thing because if I had my choosing, I would grow certain things in a certain ways. But I got to work with a grower that works with an organ market and works with his personality himself and what he likes, you know? And the cool thing about Nelson is that we both agree on a lot of strains and profiles. And we love to have cams and OGs and diesels and like old school throwbacks of like the Death Star and shit like that, you know? Like, and we like that shit a lot. 
but you know, he's a farmer that he likes to grow really greasy as flowers, sticky, greasy, either one. Like a lot of his profiles tend to go that way. And for me, just because I'm biased, because I want hash out of a certain plant, I tend to be like, oh, the texture. I'm like, oh, the texture is like this. He's like, yeah, but it's fucking badass. I'm like, it is badass, but I just wish the texture was <laughs> this way so I can hash it so cleanly, easily. Yeah, you coming know, from fucking, different places. Yeah, it's like, well, we can clean, like, we can wash this shit, like, so, like, fucking efficiently, you know? Yeah, different places, but, like, still the same taste, you know? And it's funny because, like, you know, it's all about phenos at this point now because you can choose a strain that you like. You like its profiles. You like a lot of its phenos and stuff. And now we're disagreeing on phenos of like, oh, I like the texture of this pheno. But he's like, yeah, but the smoke and like the fucking like potency of this one is fucking badass, but it's bad for hash. You know, and it's like, well, don't pick that because like I have to make hash with that, <laughs> but pick that because that's badass. Like that shit's really fucking good, you know, and it's, and it's hard. Because if I had it my way, I wouldn't ever really harvest that much flour. I would just be picking strains that I touch the plant and I'm like, the texture's on. Like, I can visibly see all the trichome has. It feels like there's a lot of them right there and they have structural integrity. And like, and they also aren't too dusty though at the same time. So perfect, that's like my strain. But a lot of times growers who grow flour and depend on flour for their market and also like that's what they prefer are not going to pick the same pheno as me like it's going to be different so yeah it does change it yeah it changes it yeah it changes it but which is good which is good because it forces me to make hash with shits so that's really tricky <laughs> and i need to know that you know i need to learn how to work with every kind of character and that's chill yeah, that's cool. It's kind of like so. pushing you to, to do things that you might not do otherwise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which also makes you realize that some things are very good in that way, you know? And you're like, oh, yeah, wait, you were right. This, this shit's fucking badass. Right. <laughs> right. Well, it's kind of, I mean, I guess it's cool that you guys have a similar palette. And, you know, while we were sitting here, I, I was thinking about how I've always liked your hash. And mm. again, it's it's because of, that kind of unique palette that you bring to, to making hash and, and the strains that you're <laughs> yeah. working with and like sick it's not something that you see a lot of people working with I think a lot of times popularity kind of takes over and, and people tend to work with I don't know strains that are pretty popular at the time or yeah. or something of the sort and it you know it's cool and all but these kind of weird funky unique that's the shit stuff is, yeah. is is kind of what interests me so that's, that's cool, I think that part of what I've always you. been drawn yeah. to, like to your hash you know you have a you have a cool palette and it sounds like uh, your buddy from Nelson also has a similar one and so it's kind of cool that you guys yeah. get to work together and you bring one side and he brings the other side and then you guys come up with some some cool stuff together I agree I really like his palette his palette is old school as fuck man he was talking about Snowbud the other day have you ever heard of Snowbud? I don't think so <laughs> Snowbud is a funny one Snowbud is pretty sick I mean there's some really good females of it but he was talking about bringing that back and I was like that's sick and also I like a lot of NL bullshit and like when I'm in Hawaii 
I love Smoking White Widow there because it's a strain that's like really well known there. Everybody grows it. Everybody loves growing it and shit. Like, I love smoking that weed. <laughs> like, I love that old school touch. Like, Shiva it's Skunk that. remains to be one of my favorite things. Yeah. I don't know why. I fucking love Shiva Skunk. Is that, was that kind of some of your first smoke? Yeah, it was my, one of my first grows too. Yeah. Really? I love that one. It's so, so fucking awesome. Yeah. That's funny how, uh, you know, we're just like, like I said earlier about the story with Amsterdam, it's like we become nostalgic about these, these strains yeah. that, that were some of like the first ones and yeah. um, stuff that you don't see around really that much anymore. You know, like one of the main things I miss is just these like skunky skunks, you know, yeah. um, you don't see like a lot of yeah. that anymore. So... Yeah, you don't you don't really see that anymore, man. I I kind of miss skunk a lot, man. Especially Shiva skunk. It had like a citric skunk to it. It was really cool. It wasn't like tangy, but it wasn't citric like any right. citrus strains. But it was like skunky and hit your nose really sharply. Yeah, yeah. And also, actually, I really miss Jesus too. And I know there's been people on Instagram that been making fun of other people for breeding like duller versions of cheese or some shit like i can't i can't catch on i i don't know what the fuck they're talking about but i used to really like cheese too i, I used to love like cheese. cheese i mean even to the day um yeah something real cheesy is like awesome interesting it's just fucking cool i i love cheese and when it's mixed with other profiles that yeah have a different funk to it <laughs> yeah Cheeses can be interesting, but yeah, it's not for everyone. You yeah, know? that um, blue cheese shit like is weird, dude. It's so, so like a berry weird. cheese, cheese yeah, berry, yeah. some <laughs> weird cross. But yeah, I mean, some some versions of this can can even be pretty uh, pretty good, you know. Yeah, it's it's weird. So, you know, in its most basic definition, hashish is is just a resin from the cannabis plant. Yeah. Right. But with so much stuff, I guess if you could call it, mm. going on so many ways to extract or so many ways to essentially condense the oil from the plant. Yeah. I guess what would be your way of just defining what what hashish is? Oh, shit. What hashish is. Um. Because, I mean, traditionally, like, hashish is just, Basically, like the separation of the resin glands. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, by agitation and sieving of some type. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, I think the introduction of water is relatively recent. Even if it's say thirty years old, somebody yes. started trying yes. to do that. You know, in the grand scheme, it it's been around for almost nothing. And so, my point is. When you agitate with water and you're still sieving, I mean, mm-hmm. technically, you still are making hashish. You're just using a different yeah. element, right? Oh, absolutely. But is that, I guess, the definition of hashish is the, the fact that, like, it has to be agitated and then sieved? Yeah. I think, well, so what I think the definition of hashish for me is just a mechanical separation of trichome to plant matter. Okay. That's my thing about hashish, is that 
Yeah, that's what hashish is. Rosin, I don't know if I could say, I would say, I don't know. That would seem funny to be like, this hashish and it's like actually <laughs> rosin that you're holding. Right. I think that would be funny because you're then, you know, fucking with it with heat and shit. And that's different. I guess you're fucking with, with cold with the separation too. So that's different in a way, but I don't Extremes. know. Yeah, I feel like it's about the actual mechanical separation rather than a like a temperature like separating oils and shit like that. It's a mechanical separation of plant matter. Right. Yeah. And that's what I think hashish is all about. Okay. And there's different forms, different refined forms. I don't know. Yeah. But all of it's got its own beauty. It's fucking sick. Like old school hashish. Like, the stuff that I used to not see even shit. I kind of miss that shit here and there of, like... Because now when I make hash, like, I can't make a hash bar that is gooey and I break and, like, is dried that way. When it's super high-quality, high-terpene, it turns chalky immediately if you try to dry it that way. Because it's so high in terpene, it breaks everything. But the old-school way had so much contaminant and plant matter like still like mixing that shit that like it stayed stable and was gooey and like you could rip it in half and look like a fucking candy bar right right? and i kind of miss that stuff it has its own beauty to it and you smoke it differently it tastes different like it produces it takes a strain and produces a different flavor it's like roasting coffee it's like straight up like that stuff for some reason makes it different dark flavor and makes it like a deep dark flavor it's that's like coffee, yeah. chocolate I feel it in a way like uh, almost I guess equivalent to wine as well oh you know? shit like All right. coffee or like yeah. wine or like just something that has to kind of go through a process mm-hmm. and then it really has a kind of more complex yeah I think profile to it typically yeah you know whether it's the contaminants or Whatever the resin's doing once it's actually like fused together like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Something something's happened in there. But yeah, you know, I think a lot of people these days, especially I think mostly younger people, yeah, are super against the oxidation of any type. And shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um yeah, exactly. that's a big uh it's a big thing, I think, among some people. Yeah. And shit. Yeah, that's People eat fermented food and shit, but they won't. They won't accept the fact that like old school hashish is bomb as fuck. <laughs> Until they smoke it, I think they wouldn't be able dude, to. Uh... It's so good, dude. A screen and in a, a. I used to love the fuck out of that man. A screen and a dry pipe, and just like rock hashish, just fucking like kind of break it up into little rocks and shit, and have it on the screen, and just fucking roast that shit play video games and shit like that was that was a shit it was so sick that was a bass that was awesome actually, <laughs> back in the day. that was cool I actually really miss it and I've tried to make it a couple times we smoked some tonight me and my buddy Fitz <laughs> but yeah I tried to make some and it's the same problem it's that this like when you refine it so well and we're starting to get to the point where you dab the shit all the time you know when you like put that shit in logs and like leave it out, like it's just, it oxidizes fast as fuck. It's terpenes break through all waxes and just like white it out. It's crazy. It's weird. 
But if you took like some full spectrum shit and like did it old school way, probably be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the high terpene level, I think, is good either way, you know. But yeah, I'm totally fine with the chalked out stuff too on a bowl, man. We went to a sushi place down the street, and we we're so fucking stoned off that shit. Like, it was, like, a good stone, too. It was really nice. Acting like idiots. It was cool. That's funny. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, like, I guess your your workflow. Um, oh, cool. When you're actually making hash. <laughs> cool. You know. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's sick. I think uh, the term washing is obviously pretty commonly used, and I think the majority of people get what it's about, but... Mm-hmm. Could you, I guess, give a better explanation as to, like, what's happening to the plant matter when oh, it's okay. being washed? Yeah, what's happening? Like, what's the, what's just the program? Um, I guess just in general, like, what you're doing, like, how you're agitating. Oh, okay. Yeah. If you prefer to manually agitate or agitate with a machine, what you find more practical. Yeah. Um, cool. So, so over the years... When it comes to actually like producing a lot of hash in a day, the machine's really good. It really helps a lot with cleanup. It helps so fucking much with cleanup. You don't have to have material and ice mixed in the same place. So I can like throw away material and like drench out the water, or like you can fucking easily handle it afterwards and it's not like as much and you're not. Dealing with all the ice in between all the material. But, so nowadays, yeah, I use a, I use a machine. I agitate maybe for a minute and, like, for only, like, three runs okay. pretty much. But I make sure the ratio of the material, ice, and water is what I like. Because I want to get the stuff out of the water as fast as I can. Which, there's so many different ways of this like that I've seen people do that I'm like whoa I wonder how they do that or like it seems like they set it in the water for way longer than I do but like it almost takes the same amount of time but they pull it all at once or like there's so many different ways you know but the way if I've done it is that I do my machine and I use these mesh bags and I do like three of them in a 20 gallon machine and I rig the machine so it doesn't have a motor and it only is gravity draining and I'll like fucking drain that shit into the bags and then try to get all the bags out in order and get the water back into the machine as fast as I can without like making a fucking mess or like or making hash set out of the water too long so some bags you you do it while the other bags sit in water and other bags you pull them out and let them drain outside of the water while you put the water into the machine because i want to get it going get the hash out of the water let the hash dry you know okay so that's the main yeah reason that you wanted to get it out is to make sure that it dries properly yeah i want to get it out of the water it's just something I've always thought is a good way to do it, and I could totally be wrong about it. No, yeah, no, but I mean, it's you know, the, yeah, it's interesting because uh, that's hopefully like what we'll be doing on the show is just like talking to different people and see how they do different things. That's sick, you know. So it's yeah, interesting see, I to see. Like, I want to listen to other <laughs> other people do. I think that you should. 
Yeah, so hopefully we can get some more people to agree. You should to, get, you should get this on something where people listen to it. I think that's fucking cool. <laughs> but I appreciate that. Yeah, I think it's really cool. Yeah. So, have you ever washed by hand? Like, out of just curiosity, yes. outside of the. Yeah, I've done wooden spoons, done paddles, and I do like washing by hand a lot. It's fucking awesome, actually. I really like it. It's just like. I need a little bit of room for that in another person a lot of times if I'm going to do a bigger batch. Right. And by bigger in a 20-gallon or I don't know. I guess a 20-gallon, yeah. What would you, I guess, be able to, what would you consider a bigger batch? And I guess that would also depend on on whether it's like cured material or frozen material. If it's frozen material, definitely want somebody so I I can do shit quick. Because, yeah, I want I want to make sure that stuff is cold at all fucking times and not just chilling. I don't know. A couple of turkey bags or something like that? I like to do small batches. Even, like, my big batches are probably small to other people. Right. I feel like it. Do you think that helps? I mean, in your opinion, I guess, are you trying to get more surface area? Yeah, surface area. For the material? For stuff to swim. Yeah, I like, I like shit to swim a lot. Because I like to agitate it really fast, or like not hard, like, but just like a short amount of time, get that water out. Short amount of time, get that water out. Short amount of time, get that water out. Instead of like chilling on it, I don't really like the chilling on it for some reason. It freaks me out. But I know other people do it, and I like their hash a lot too. So it's like, what the fuck am I? Doing? <laughs> You're like. Yeah, there's no good, no bad. Just there's different no ways good, about no bad. Body. Exactly. It's, it's like all about technique. It's all about whatever you think is good. And also, I find when I'm making hash for for like more than just my personal stash, what I like to think is that like you know, if I'm working by myself and stuff, I like to think that I would somewhat look like fucking a fucking food street vendor. <laughs> In Asia, you know, like fucking, I'm sitting on on a low chair, and like I just got my back straight, and I got my shit in place that stays in that fucking place for the whole fucking batch, pretty much. And I just I got my movements, boom, boom, lift it up, boom, 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 swift, right, and just get that shit done, get that shit done, get it on, going on, right. But it's not like fucking messy and stupid, right, right. So you got like a flow going. Yeah, you got that flow, and you're looking like fucking. It's like, oh, I dip my spoon in this water because of this reason. Boom, 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 and like it makes it easier on you. You're working smarter, but like it looks like you're working fast, but it's chill. It's like chill as hell, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure that not only keeps things neater, but you get things done faster, probably. (laughs) Yeah, faster, but like just in the times that I want it to be faster. Because when it comes to drying, it's it's like chill. So I know when we first started talking, you said that, you know, a couple days of drying in your room, you felt was enough. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So now, you know, years later, I'm curious about some of your drying techniques. And then, you know, if you talk a little bit about hand drying versus freeze dryer yeah. and you know what's your take on that oh okay so so when it comes to drying every strain is very different like some strains i since i air dry and i sieve and i don't microplane i don't put any pressure or any sort of like a force of wicking out the moisture of the hash patty originally so i plop it on i'm like 
scooping out of this bag, right? And I use a wok spoon. I like the wok spoon a lot because it's really easy to, for me to pile it up and get it in one scoop. So I get that and I hit hit it onto the cutting board with all my paper towel and my drying screen. I just I hit it so it falls off and whatever it doesn't fall off, I dip my spatula in some cold water and then clean off the rest and it comes right off when it has moisture like that. It just goes boom. And then some strains, here's where like some strains, you need to make sure you have a bunch of paper towel underneath that fucking thing so all the fucking water wicks out fast because if it doesn't wick out fast it'll get like a little like muddy and shit with the water all mixed in because it's like starting to stick and it'll trap water in it and it's not chill like when you get the water out faster with those strains it's easier to seethe some strains it takes a long time for the water to seep out and those ones you let them chill for a while before you seethe it because it, it starts to finally get all this water out, right? And it gets to this perfect point with seething that like when you're in a cold room and you're seething and you have the right amount of moisture coming out, it becomes dust after it goes through that seed for the first time. It's just like fucking And like you have to know how to work it and stuff, you know, and that's part of it. It's gotta have to work it in a certain way, but it breaks apart real nice and dusty, but Depends on strain. Either it takes a long time or you have to do it fast. And in order to do it fast, you have to be prepared to do it fast. But it depends on each strain. And you can tell with the textures or the way that it feels on your spoon. Right. You can tell, or like the, it seems fluffy in a way. It depends. So, yeah, that's always I'm, I'm guessing something you kind of got to gain just with experience. I mean, yeah. strain per strain, uh, that, that changes. And, uh, you know, I kind of want to go back to something you talked about a little bit earlier that is along the same lines is you were talking about touching the resin yeah. um, and how that's, uh, I guess, a good indicator to you of how a plant will, you know, produce when it's being processed into water hash. Mm-hmm. And you were saying some of it tends to be sticky, but then some of it tends to be almost sandy, but still st- sticks to your fingers yeah and so are those i guess qualities that get transferred into when the material is wet as well and that's why you're saying you can Mm -hmm. kind of feel some of that on there yeah so i like to feel plants when they're alive that's when i know like hash possibilities for me at least and my personal preference right is like when a plant is like in its eight weeks or like right before like you touch the flowers real quick, you go like that, and then you kind of do like the small violin joke on your fingers, you know, and just like kind of do that. Not enough, not a lot of pressure, just like doing that, right? And like, and that's how I tell, there's so many different characters, but there's like certain classes of them. Like there's ones that are like slick, and they just slick. And those will never do shit for you on hash, fresh roasting especially. Dry, it will give you a little bit, but fresh frozen, that slip shit, dude, it doesn't freeze. Like, those oils don't really freeze that much. <laughs> so will they just end up in the water, basically? Yeah. They'll end up in the water or some shit. Yeah, or like, yeah, exactly. That's interesting. So All those sorts of things. heads are breaking apart, essentially, and just 
It's just terpene water at that point. Well, that's, yeah, yeah that's tough. I mean, and, you know, I'm guessing that to find good hash strains outside of doing, you know, tests like with your fingers, you might have to run them sometimes and yeah. they might not turn out too well. And that's no, part no. of the learning curve, which might not be great, <laughs> but, you know, to find some good ones, I'm sure you have to mm-hmm. go through some not so good ones. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious what, what's one of the worst hash and strains that you've seen? And, and I mean, how bad are the returns on something like that? <laughs> oh, that's really fucking funny. That's really funny. The one time, <laughs> um, actually, <laughs> um, yeah, one time I got this pound of thick wicket. This is an old strain. <laughs> I can't even remember what it is. It was an old strain. Somebody gave me a pound of it, a pound of dry bud. And it was like good flour of it, too. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll try. I got like almost nothing. <laughs> wash it all? Then, yeah, I washed the whole thing in one batch because I was like, okay, cool, let's probably do something. I got like, I got a few grams off of it or something like that. Like, it was something really embarrassing. But the worst ever, because that farmer was like, oh, I didn't think it would really do that. I was just interested to see what it would do, you know? Like, it's totally okay. I'm totally chill about it. I was like, thank God. Because I was super embarrassed about it. I was like, fuck, this sucks. But it's just genetic, you know? Like, Yeah, there's not much you can do if nothing's, going nothing's coming off it. Yeah. Um, but the worst time was with these guys that I used to work with. This is actually at the house I just moved out, moved out of this weekend. It's before I lived there, they lived there, and they were growing this room, and it fucking it hermed on them. The room hermed on them, and they had a bunch of strains in there, like Cindy ninety nine, fucking. They had Doctor Cherry Pie, which that one ran pretty good actually. And they had a couple other ones. I can't remember what they were, but they were so bad in hash form. Like, and they yielded almost nothing. And, like, they're, like, really banking on this room to, like, be, like, it all harmed on us. There's no way we could sell it through our dispensary. Like, it's all going to be shit. Like, and I was like, oh, dude, if we wash it, it's going to be perfect. And it's back before I really knew shit. You know, about strains and stuff. Like, I just used to think, like, oh, yeah, I could probably, like, make really good hash out or whatever. Fucking, I washed this room. And the only good thing that came out was Doctor Cherry Pie. And it was, like, not the biggest part of the room. <laughs> All the other shit just didn't wash. And it was super embarrassing. It was, I told him I worked for free for the whole gig. I was like, I feel so bad for you guys. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's not a great situation, but I mean, you know, yeah. if the whole room hermed, it's like... Yeah, I was like, this is all for free, dude. Like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but yeah, that's it's so weird and funny that, like, some of them just, like, won't, you know, won't produce, and, and then some of them seem to produce a lot. And yeah. those are the ones that people, I think, really like, you know? I, would you ever consider, I guess, keeping a cut of something that, for example, you really liked, and it hashed okay but, not great yeah but worth keeping. totally because i smoke a lot of flour so like yeah i keep plants that like 
if you plant that, make shitty hash. I mean, like that Afghani, that hash plant seven, that's a very Afghani trait right there. And actually all those hash plants, I did like a mix, you know, of it and it made really, really hard to deal with hash in a very small yield. But the hash was actually pretty dope. It was pretty good. <laughs> it so was small but good. Yeah, it was pretty fucking good actually. I, bet. I liked it. It was I couldn't see it. Yeah, your Afghani and I mean that's what I, I tried yeah. out of your you know, whole collection here of um of strains that you that you ran. Um and it really stood out yeah. amongst all of them. And I mean, yeah, it's a it's a great plant, awesome like strange profile. Yeah. <laughs> very smooth you know smoke and a pretty like you said a pretty chill you know kind of effect to it's it nice so yeah yeah that that's awesome but it's it's kind of ironic that like they're hash plants but they don't hash well yeah. right yeah and, like i'm sure there's some shit. phenotypes Definitely. of those plants that would and that's what you kind of said earlier is that there are phenotypes in almost all families that yeah. would eventually do well with, you know, the water yeah. agitation. Yeah. But they're probably not easy to find. Absolutely. And I, I guess the right person needs to be looking for them that is interested in making water hash. Yes. Because a lot of times people aren't looking for that pheno yet. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's fine. It is. It's, it's yeah. interesting. I so guess. your preference, I guess, is hand drying? From yes. the sounds of it. Okay, yeah, yeah, hand drying. Yeah, so air drying's like way better than the freeze drying is funny it's as hell because it brings the hash like to like negative forty and like it goes up and down from there and then it's put under like a vacuum pump pressure. And it's weird. It just turns out different. And people freeze-dry shit really well. And I still really like their hash a lot. And, like, there's nothing wrong with it, I guess. It's just, like, it makes it different rather than air-drying. Like, I don't know. Air-drying, I feel like it's not fucking with the stuff that you just extracted with as much as freeze-drying is. Freeze-drying puts a lot of pressure on it if you put rosin in that same machine it like starts to bloom up like how they fucking de- what is it called when they put the BHO when they, yeah when they back BHO and shit it like blooms up and shit and it's, it's like it, it's doing that but like so what is it doing to the fucking trichomes too it's probably doing like a similar shit in my, on a micro scale though you know yeah yeah so do you feel like it is less tastier if it goes through the freeze dryer? Depends. I mean, sometimes I feel like it makes certain terpenes be more highlighted that other terpenes were lost. And sometimes I think that overall it doesn't do that much of a difference. <laughs> right. And sometimes I feel like people dry it way too much. It's, it seems like some flavors like some flavors of the hash like kind of disappear a little bit, but others like come up front a little bit more when you freeze dry shit. And some doesn't seem to change that much. It's just, 
I don't know. I just like, I trust air drying a lot. <laughs> like I trust air drying a lot because I just think that you're like, it's like in a restaurant where you cut up a bunch of fucking parsley and you wring out the water and then you fucking like mess it up again. So it has surface area again to like dry in a walk in real quick. And the next day you come in, it's like fucking crisp dry, you know, and you can use it in dry herbs now. Like, I just think about that, that like naturally, like, it's just pretty easy to dry as long as you can get it to there. I don't know. As right. long as you can break it down a little bit and, like, do the right things. And so I know earlier you were saying, like, for example, some of the strings that just break down really easily are kind of like the dream yeah. the dream strings to, to work with. Yeah, it's just um, sick. Have yeah. you ever done any microplaning as opposed to the... Oh, um, yeah, microplaning versus sieving. So microplaning versus sieving is pretty funny. Because I think there's some people that do microplaning fucking amazingly. And Matt Rice definitely does that. This kid, Holy Globs, that's his name on Instagram. And he's a shit. And I noticed that his microplane is awesome because he doesn't apply very much pressure to his pucks. It doesn't seem like he makes them like stick together and stuff like that. Like it, it doesn't seem like that to me I mean I've never witnessed him make hash myself but that's what it seems like is that there's a little pressure and he knows how to have the finesse of like microplaning a thing of frozen hash which I've never gotten down ever like I've done it there's some batches that like I was proud of but I've never gotten it to where I wanted it at all I mean basically it's like zesting Thing, a puck yeah. of resin and so the I main thing I hear is like people it's just so hard to handle that unless like you're working in some super controlled environment yeah to where your your hand is almost frozen and right. holding the puck as soon as you touch it it just starts greasing up and so and for me it's like why not sieve it at that point why not wick it out to the like the moisture time like the time to take out the moisture to when how like long it takes out the moisture to sieve it if you're in a controlled environment because if you're in a controlled environment that's like you know lower 40s you can sieve almost anything as long as you know how to do it but I bet people who microplane probably say the same thing. <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> and I, I don't know it's just one of those things. I mean at some point, like, microplane can look finer than sieving, but you can get sieving to look just as fine as microplane, but I don't know, at that point, I don't think it matters, like, when you're in that cold of an environment, and it's, like, that dry, and you break it down in time, and, like, it looks great. That shit's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looks, it looks nice a lot of times, mm -hmm. uh, the microplane work, and, you know, that's another kind of thing is that I wonder is when, when it is getting microplane surely it these resin heads has to be getting sliced open to a certain degree yeah so it's almost like this weird water hash version of rosin <laughs> kind of where you're you know it's not the same purpose that you're going after you're doing it for the drying but at the same time, you're you know you're allowing some of that that content from inside the resin head to to essentially ooze out. Yeah, I kind of think with microplane depends on how you microplane because like.
there's some people who put a lot of pressure and they make their pucks stick together and shit and then they grate it, right? I think when that happens, you're definitely slicing through plenty of things because you're already like melding everything together and shit, dude, you know? But when you're doing it without doing that and it's, and like you have it just right and it doesn't seem like you're manipulating it too much, it's probably like almost the same as sieving. Because with sieving too, you know, like sometimes like, I don't know, sometimes they get pushed up against each other and stuff like that. But it depends on like your timing and stuff. But there's always going to be like a little waste on the side of, of something. And, and same thing with microplaning too, you know. But both have their things. I, I think they're almost the same at a certain point. But when you get to that certain point, it's because your environment's controlled and good. Right. And, like, yeah. And that's, like... And then has that been something that's kind of uh, changed over time for you where you've oh, yeah. gone from having, you know, environments dictate kind of what's going yes. on to more you dictating what's going on with the environment oh yeah dude I used to have I went from no control of an environment all the way to like now I in the past like I don't know in the past like six months or something like that like I finally have gotten to work in a room that is everything that I want to be able to do which is like insane like it's fucking low 40s all the time dry as fuck there's a real kitchen sink in there a real kitchen sink with a spray attachment and shit and like filtered water that comes through like the wall that I can turn off and on and shit like just like simple ass shit that I never was able to get like down because certain things and like and fucking steel tables and shit like dude it's sick I finally am working in a room that's like controlled that sounds awesome fucking awesome love it yeah it's sick as hell yeah Uh, i mean i'm sure it's pretty exciting to have like pretty much all these all these things that you needed you know and now now you have and i'm sure it'll make your work probably a lot easier yeah definitely yeah yeah sieving stuff so yeah microplane and sieving at a point it's just gets to where it's like almost the same but I don't know how good is a grower (laughs) right (laughs) yeah and like yeah and same thing with freeze drying man people do fucking awesome shit with freeze drying I don't understand like they just understand the like thickness of their patties and and the timing and temperatures that they do it at and shit like some people are really fucking good at it. A lot of people are, like, really bad at it and over-dry their shit or they, like, under-dry their shit and, like, whatever. I mean, right. it's fine. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be people that are going to be, I think, good and, and then others not maybe not so good Yeah, at, at everything, including that. And, <laughs> you know, I guess what I wonder is, since you've had a little bit of experience within kind of, like, the commercial world mm-hmm. of, of selling hash... You know, is it sustainable to to dry by air as a commercial house maker or do freeze dryers? Is that something that they they definitely like facilitate? And it's you'd be willing to take the trade off of maybe losing some of the the hand dried effects or the results from it 
Yeah. In order to just be able to produce more hash. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I think air drying takes a little bit more time initially and a little bit more trained hands too. Like you can't just like, I don't know, you need somebody that can also sieve and like you, you're okay with them sieving all day, you know. But, I mean, it can take the same amount of time too. No, freeze drying is a little faster. It's pretty fast <laughs> because uh, they scoop it into the trays, freeze the trays, put it in the machine. It's like you can, you're not spending any time sieving. Yeah, so sieving just adds more labor to it a little bit. And that commercially couldn't be sustainable. Yes, for a small farm that's willing to pay their workers to do that, which is great. For like people that are looking to underpay people and like don't do the right things, like no, that's not. It's not going to be sustainable. <laughs> it won't be sustainable at all because like yeah, you need like. And is that something I guess that you see a lot like in the in the Oregon market in general of people like doing the wrong business decisions by treating people that work for them like shit? Yeah, fuck yeah, all the time. And I think it's really funny because it's like simple things of just like communicating with somebody or just like providing simple things for them to do their job. <laughs> and they miss it because everybody's so stressed out about certain other shit that doesn't fucking matter and like, but it's really stressful and they start like, you know, it's like, if you're like fucking with somebody and you fuck with their neck, their arms are going to do something. And these people that like have crazy investments in them and shit and like, you know, the people are like at their necks in this legal fucking way financially and stuff. Like their arms go a little bit weird and they treat people way fucking different. They tend to skip out on the simple things that like make things good. And things just go fucking downhill. And I see it over and over again in the organ market. Almost everybody I used to work with hates some other person that, like, we all used to work with or some shit. And, like, it's over really simple shit. Right. Yeah. Really cool. simple shit that became complicated over weird things that, like, didn't seem cool or something. I don't know. It's weird. And a lot of people get treated like shit all over the place, like in shops or it all falls down the ladder because they can't handle it or something. People go too much or it's not what they expected or some shit. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people go into it like with the mentality of like, ah, oh, well, I'm just like going to work with weed or in weed <laughs> yeah. and it's like all going to be chill. I guess sometimes it doesn't, it's not really like that, you know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of other stuff going on like you said, kind of behind the scenes that, that affects how the whole operation runs, including how people are treated. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. So I think, yeah, I think freeze dryers definitely help produce masses, that's for sure. Like, you don't have to, like, see stuff. I think it definitely helps. Absolutely. But sieving for a small farm, very sustainable. I think. As long as, like, everything's all chill, yeah. Yeah. Seeming on a small farm I mean, is, like, you, fine. You basically, that's that's who you work with, typically. It's, like, a small... Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Almost like a boutique-type boutique 
grow operation. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, because there's only so much deceiving somebody can do in a day. So it's like, you have to balance all that shit out. I don't know. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So are you still running your own personal garden? I'm not anymore. I don't think I will be until next summer. Like at a friend's house or something like that. But I'm just going to stay in this apartment for a while. Gotcha. Yeah. But the growing that you were doing prior, I know I've seen through your feed that you've really been into the KNF. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then trying to use that method, I guess, to grow some of your some of your plants. And so I guess first I just, maybe for people that don't know, what KNF is talk a little bit about that cool <laughs> and then you know outside of that also just talk about what you you feel that brings to essentially t- enhancing uh, the chemistry of the of the trichomes and all the things that are contained in it oh sick yeah so KNF is pretty cool KNF is like a it's like almost like a layout of like a lifestyle for like families that provide their lives from fucking farming like and it's pretty much like created for like um like poorer families to that are limited to like a couple acres of land you know and so many animals and crops that you can pretty much like make all the fertilizers you need locally pretty cheaply but when it comes to cannabis we feed cannabis plants indoors so much that like it's knf like you know you spread a little imo for with like some fucking charred bones around a tree before it it produces buds to bloom and like in these transitions and you don't feed like fertilizer like crazy you're not foliar spraying this fucking tree every single day with shit you know knf is like it's it's a much more lighter than like a modern day indoor cannabis farm you know what i mean but knf is cool because like you can produce a lot of shit on your own except for all the sugar ones the sugar ones you can't really produce on your own unless you grow sugar beets here in the Pacific Northwest or Yukon and you actually like crystallize sugar and shit with that after boiling them and harvesting them and whatnot. But like there's like vinegars that you can make yourself and you can make like a plant ready like calcium or calfos with that and uh but there's a bunch of other stuff like making IMO. It's just like pretty much you don't really have to go to the grocery store. You make a lot of shit yourself. I used it pretty lightly and I used it along with amendments too. So like actually what I was doing in that basement wasn't really KNF. I was using a lot of the same shit, but it's not really KNF. I mean, I'm not like growing multiple crops that like have a purpose for a long-term soil. I'm using pots and fucking lights and shit. I mean, yeah, it's like this weird adaptation of knf to yeah. indoor you it's, know it's not like what really knf is like but yeah me my friend larry and mike their instagram thing is jerry bucket and mike Wirt. but we all went to these classes to to 
take classes under Master Show, and it was in Hawaii, so I was like way fucking game about that, and like I was stoked to learn that you make fertilizer fruit because I'm a fucking fruit nerd. <laughs> I am obsessed with fruit, like, and so that's a big thing for me. So I was like, I was freaking out about it, and we went to Big Island, which is my favorite island, and yeah, we took a couple classes from him over the years. And it's been really cool. And what I noticed about the cannabis is that, like, it's a lot like the other, like, organic feeds and, like, way of growing indoors, too. Like, it brings out really cool personalities of the plants. Fucking awesome personality of plants. They're really immune to shit. And, like, you can just, like, I don't know. It's fucking sick. They just got a lot of life to them, I guess. I don't know. But the, the weed is extremely smooth. It's extremely smooth, and the personality of the terpene profiles are, like, always, like, like oh, shit, this is probably what it should smell like. You know, like, it's not dudded out. It doesn't seem like it's, like, fucking boosted. And, like, it's, like, yeah, this smells good and stuff, but it's not, like, you can actually really smell it up. So that's what I really like about that. In the last run, like, some of these buds, like, were actually, like, pretty dense. And I was pretty surprised, especially since, like, the only fertilizers I used that I didn't make were, like, a couple amendments here and there. And that's about it. And so I was, like, pretty fucking soaked on it. I was like, damn, fucking hit it. That's sick. Because a lot of times I never hit it. (laughs) Nice. So you were able to basically make all your own ferments? Almost, yeah. Except for sugars. I... I was not... You said, yeah, you have to have... The, I was not, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> the actual planted uh, sugar beets, was that what you said over here? You can do sugar beets or yacon, but I hear yacon is way better for that shit. For it, like... But, dude, that's a lot. You gotta grow a lot of yacon to make, like, the whole regimen of, like, growing indoor hungry cannabis plants for fucking, like, sugar ferments and shit. That's, you're going to buy sugar. It's just like, but that's the cool thing about KNF is that there's other shit like you don't have to always use those sugar things. Those are just like at certain times. Like you don't need to do it every fucking time. But so, so going back to kind of what you were saying earlier, you mentioned the IMO, and yeah. that's something that you know you see on a lot of people's Instagram that are, for example, doing KNF or mm-hmm. interested in KNF and. Can you kind of give like a mini explanation as to what IMO is? Oh, and yeah. And what so, like role it plays in it all? <laughs> yeah, IMO is sick as hell. So what IMO is, is you're collecting microorganisms from an area that's local to you. And you're collecting them with rice. And usually you boil it with a little less water than you usually would when you eat it. And half the water, usually, but... I mean, it depends on what grain you got, you know? So you want it a little hard, a little dryish, and then you have, like, a wooden box is good. A lot of people use plastic, but that's not really, like, it, it seems wrong to do, I guess, but it's always said, don't do that shit, you know? Like, use actual wood boxes. I'm not sure if anything's proven about that, you know, like, what's the fucking difference? <laughs> but, like, it, plastic definitely traps moisture differently. So you put them in the boxes, 
and pretty much all these different microorganisms are attracted to the rice and they cultivate in the rice and when you get the rice let it sit there like you know five days or so and if you get a good collection what you want to see like mainly white fluffy matter and like here and there little dots of like yellow small amount of red or some like bullshit like that People say black are pretty bad, but I've seen a lot of people who have studied on Master Show a lot, and they've had like very colorful collections. You know, I guess it's about promoting what's there, like in a healthy area of your local area or whatever. Fuck yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> and then so when you get that going, and it's, I guess, producing. Is it bacteria or, or is it? Um, yeah, it's pretty much whatever's there. Right. Um, yeah, and when you get that rice that's like inoculated with that shit, you mix it with sugar and then you ferment that. And then after that, you introduce it to uh, wheat bran. Okay. And that's when like it actually like starts cultivating. And like the wheat bran pile is very warm. It gets very warm, and you have to turn that shit, and then almost like a compost pile. Or yeah, something. it's exactly like a compost pile, but in like fucking IMO four. I haven't done IMO four in a long time. It gets hot within like twenty four hours. Okay, introducing this sugar rice like so mass. that becomes almost like the fuel. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, you just throw this little sugar rice on it. shit into fucking wheat bran with like. I used to, I burnt like some hazelnut shells last time. I burnt some hazelnut shells. That's like a local ass thing, right? And it's for some carbon. And then what else did I throw in there? I can't remember. I don't think I threw anything else in actually. And yeah, I just put in the, you put in a little inputs and water and then the rice and sugar thing. You put that with wheat bran and like 24 hours, it's like warm as hell. And I built, since I was doing it indoor, I built this little wooden box. Actually, me and Robert dumped that shit today because I have to move out of that house. But it was this little wooden box that, like, you know, that I made all my ammo and, and, like, that thing got eaten up. It was like the wood's all withered and shit from it. It's cool. But, yeah, pretty much after that, you have, like, this sawdust, like, type of feeling stuff. And you just throw it on on your soil and yeah it inoculates your soil pretty fast it's really heavy you can burn plants with it pretty easy and by inoculating you mean you're kind of adding these beneficial yeah whatever they may be like you said bacteria or yeah. whatever's there to the soil and like mm -hmm. does that make the soil healthier yes absolutely especially if you're growing organics because you're trying to make a health like a very alive soil that eats like for me I did like amendments so like it helps it eat the amendments and break it down which is awesome and it also feeds the life of the soil that continues on that cycle that will break shit down for you you know and also i feel cannabis gets organic cannabis gets a really good flavor from this process of soil breaking shit down for a plant and the plant absorbing that like it's always a really nice flavor. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I don't know much, obviously, about KNF um, yeah. outside of what I've seen, and then obviously what you've explained now. But 
from everything that you showed me earlier that I looked at that was growing off growing with the KNF inputs I guess yeah are all outstanding you know? <laughs> cool. uh, like I said earlier the, the Afghani really stood out to me uh, that particular Fino and I think there were some headbangers in your collection also that were oh, yeah headbangers are shit pretty cool and you were saying that's that's a line that you really like that yeah. cross is insane. That's the coolest cross. <laughs> is that, I guess, one of those biker could possibly be one of the strings that you really like outside of like the amnesias or the sour amnesia or what um, are some of, some of the other like strains that you really like having in your garden when you do have one and, you know, which ones are you looking to hash and then which ones are you looking to to keep to, to have in a smokable form because I know you, you said you like smoking the butts yeah. as well. So Let's see. There's amnesia. I always grew that for hash. What else have I kept? OGKB. That one's fucking sick. That one takes a long time. I've never had enough to hash from an indoor run ever. It was only like a small amount of flour. Yeah. <laughs> but... Really what is that OGKB? Do you know? OGKB. No, I think. Wait, it might be a cookie female or something like that. Okay. I can't remember. I can't remember what that is. I think it's just a cookie female. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it's pretty good. It's a mutant. It's it's really slow. <laughs> really fucking slow. I used to, I used to like this strain, Doctor Funkenstein. Yeah, I haven't heard yeah, of that. It was like a DJ short blueberry with a, um, oh, fuck, I forgot. Oh, no. With something else. I don't know. I remember liking that, and I grew it in this warehouse. I didn't get hashed okay. very much. I didn't. I hatched a little bit. It hatched okay, but the flower was fucking awesome. I really liked that flower back in so the day. So did it have that kind of blueberry-ish thing going to Yeah, or? it was weird, though. I don't know. It was, like, kind of metallic. <laughs> yeah there's those weird kind of like metal yeah it was kind of metallic and blueberry it was fucking strange yeah it was pretty cool I liked that one a lot but no ever since like we're growing I've never had like that much of a staple I guess except for sour amnesia that's like one that I always grew a lot but everything else kind of ran through gone. yeah pretty much yeah I had this fucking Nelson and Company gave me this, uh, oh no, I forgot, Malawi Diesel. Uh huh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I grew that for a little while, and eventually the terpene profile like, made me disgusted. <laughs> like, I was sick of it, I hated it. Eventually, fucking hated it. At first, I loved it though, it was great. Yeah, it's funny, I, it's, I remember that because it sounded interesting to me whenever you posted this. And this has been obviously a while back. Mm -hmm. And then I asked at the cup if you had any, and you didn't. But what you did is you uh, gifted me a, one of your mixes that I think that Malawi was in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's just kind of funny to see, like, <laughs> I'm sure that happens. You know, you it's like anything. You, you really like it. Yeah. And then it's just too much, and you kind of grow old <laughs> of it, you know, so. Yeah, dude, it's, yeah, it's pretty funny. I don't know. I can't think of any others that, like, I was like, oh, shit, like, I'm 
always going to grow this. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny because part of the reason I was asking you is like, you know, speaking of the Californian markets, like we were saying earlier, you know, you see a lot of people that are doing you know, this kind of single sourced mm-hmm. thing, right? And they're growing their own stuff, hashing it, and then it seems like they almost build like the stable of strains that they're working with and like those are the hashes that they'll have and then eventually I'm sure that they'll they'll add to that or whatever but yeah it's just kind of an interesting thing to me but again I feel like a lot of them go with like a lot of the trends Mm -hmm. of like what's going on at the time and what like the people want which I totally get because you know you you want to make money right you yeah, gotta, yeah like give people what they want in a way but it's kind of cool that you're still experimenting essentially you know yeah. like you, you have like this these strings that you like and you found some phenos that you like and you've also like worked with some lineages to make sure that you can find thing that you want want in the future in seed form mm-hmm. but yeah it's totally a different like model Oh yeah, yeah. So I I think that's pretty cool. Just I like the experimentation aspect of yeah, yeah. working with <laughs> strains and just kind of going as as they go, you know. Yeah, I definitely want to see more chems, more chems happening. That like uh, and yeah, that funk in uh, in water hash form is always oh yeah fun. Yeah, you know? man. Uh, I. I know I've had a little bit of some of the stuff you've ran. I don't know if that was yours or or not. Like you know, if you were running that strain, but yeah, whoever ran it, it was it was really good, and really funky. The chem dog? No, I think I've had just the chem, but it might have been the chem dog. Oh, okay. I might have been mistaken. Yeah, we're unsure what chem dog cut that is. Actually, it was given just as labeled as chem dog. It didn't say any of the like ninety ones or four or like. Or what it was, it was just called Cam Dog, and we haven't gotten anybody to help figure out which one it is. <laughs> um, so it's hard to figure out because there's so many different things that were labeled of like certain things back then, right? Yeah, and probably still now, of course. But that particular cut's very nice. Yeah, I really like that cut. It's really potent hash too. It's really potent. Always like fucks me up, but it has like a nice lemon finish too. But like sweet, dirty socks stuff too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's nice. It's it's whole. It's whole bodied flavored. I like that, and it has a little bit of lemon behind it, but not like annoying at all. It's slight, but it's nice. Yeah, yeah it's super nice. And I mean, it's funny because you know, Kim Dog is one of those strains that like, there's so many like different stories. Oh yeah, behind it and like. And there's and like you said, there's just so many like varieties of it that it's hard to know uh, if it wasn't like knowing at the time where it came from, what it was, but it's definitely good. Yeah. So. Yeah. I talked to a guy who said that he has the original dog clump, which is, would be the buds that the original chem dog seeds were out of of the pack uh huh I was like whoa that's fucking badass I, I wanna try that 
Uh, I hope you get to try it sometime. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool, man. I wonder like how they are, you know? Yeah, if I wonder they're funky what it's like. I don't know, yeah. What, what side of the kind of lineage that would bring. I wonder what it's like, yeah, dude. It's cool. I don't know. I just want to know what it's like. Or like, like Skunk Dog and Hoi. Like, I still haven't gotten to try that train. I wanted to try that train for years now. For a long time. And for some reason, I never can, like, get hooked up with it when I'm back in Hawaii. <laughs> and some friends recently had some, like, really small nugs of it here in town. And I was very jealous. But I really want to try that one. Did you get to try any of it? Now I've been busy with moving and stuff, so gotcha. like they're like, "Oh, come over and hang out." I'm like, "I literally can't, man." Well, hopefully next time you're in Hawaii, uh, fuck, dude, somebody really, hears this and hooks you up. Fucking uh, yeah, that'd be sick. I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> well, hey, man, I really appreciate you coming on. I guess my only other question to you would be, you know, for somebody who is coming into the industry and hoping to be able to. You know, do this for a living in a way, mm -hmm. uh, even if it's partial, doing the, the, the water hash in a, a regulated market, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give them? And yeah, I, I guess that's the question. To doing hash in a... Just, yeah, recreation. being able to like do hash as a profession almost in, in a way. Oh, shit. I don't know. I guess like... Definitely find somewhere with a processing license because you have to have that. Absolutely. Which barely, like, anybody I know that's interested in water hash has that. Not very many people, but I don't know. It's interesting. Maybe micro start, like, get a micro tier and get and start processing with a micro tier or something. Or um, And obviously every state is, like, different as to how they can go about that, but... So in Oregon, you basically would be able to do this. You're saying it's called a micro tier, and so like you're able to process like on a small scale, or I think so. I'm I think on micro tiers, but I'm not sure about that because I'm really bad with that shit. Well, I'm sure it's complicated. <laughs> I mean, I've heard from everybody, and it's like changes all the time, <laughs> all the regulations. So yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure, but I mean. If you make a really good hash and like and you network with growers and like talk to growers and actually are friends with them and shit and and you show that you work like really good hash like somebody's going to eventually want you to work good hash for them. <laughs> yeah. You know, as long as you're like all about it and and stuff and I guess you get along with the grower. Like the grower has to like trust you with your shit and you got to like like the grower enough to make good hash right so yeah those, i mean yeah. a relationship i guess is is definitely key it's key um, to, to doing that you know because like you talked about earlier uh, with your collaboration it's like you guys have to like come together and work to figure out um how to produce not only like the best weed but also the best smoke and then the best hash and yeah so yeah, you definitely probably have to be able to work well with people. Yeah. To do that. Yeah, I say it's just like yeah, just like be friends with a grower or just like get along with a grower that like and meet on like a 
deal with like making hash with them and shit like that because like yeah growers don't have time to make hash <laughs> right <laughs> and, yeah. yeah they got they got enough on their plates right exactly you know so they need somebody they can trust and make hash and if you do it well i bet i don't know i'm not really sure but then again i i, I just been doing it for a while i guess i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah I guess that's all I did. I don't know. I started trimming for people, and I was like, I really like to make hash. I think hash is cool. Well, I mean, the one, <laughs> the one thing it sounds like is, like, you did it because you, you were interested in it, you liked it, and then you just kept doing it. And, yeah, like, yeah. you kept learning, you kept getting better, and I guess things kind of, in a way, just worked themselves out. But, yeah, totally. But at the same time, I'm sure you, you know, you've had to put in the work to, to get there, too. Right. So, um, so I guess just doing it, yeah, just doing the damn thing, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think doing the damn things where it's at, yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, again, this is Cam from Pua Extractions, and you can follow him at Pua. That's P-U-A Extractions on Instagram. And again, we appreciate your time, man. Yeah. Good talking to you. Yes, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, we're just kicking it. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Just kicking it. That's cool. Thank you for listening to the Hashish Inn. If you'd like the podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review. Until next time.